one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really really want it all to work out while you're away. monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and making his debut, Andy Dillon of The Sun. Winning ugly, can't beat it. No airs, no graces, no fuss. Just a little luck lubricated by talent. Liverpool rode that luck. They've had 16 wins on the bounce in the Premier League. The only blip has been in the Champions League in Naples. The group system gives them breathing space. I suppose, though, Aid, it's time to kick on this week, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about Liverpool. I'm really not. I mean, it wasn't a great start. It wasn't a good performance, particularly against Napoli. But Liverpool on home turf in the Champions League, I, I, I look at the group and I think they should should easily win all three home games, probably win the remaining two on the road. So I'm not concerned about Liverpool. They'll be looking to improve the performance. It wasn't brilliant, was it, against Sheffield United? I thought... They laboured at times. They can be one-dimensional, can't they, in terms of relying on the front three to wreak havoc. I did find a stat ahead of the game at the weekend against Sheffield United where the midfield of Fleck, Lundstrom and Norwood, they created infinitely more chances from open play than Liverpool's midfield, which not many people mm. would have said. So there is something missing from Liverpool in that regard, but, but when you see them in the groove. They are an awesome team and I expect them to, to dominate Salzburg. Mm. Well, it's when you talk about winning ugly, that's what they did at Sheffield United, wasn't it? Which, you know, that Sheffield United are going to have to rely on that, that ground to try and keep them up this season. Although I did see them at Stamford Bridge a couple of weeks back and um, they've got some spirit. They've certainly got some spirit. They won't lie down. So, you know, you look at Liverpool, you, you could talk about they struggled at Sheffield United or you could say that's a sign of a, a great team that's overcome that and the, the spawny goal that they got... That's one that goes in that wins you a title and everyone will turn around and say, that's the kind of luck you make for yourself. So the Champions League, the way it's structured, it's, they're tough games. And Chelsea's, you know, Frank Lampard was saying recently, because he's got, he's got a young team saying that these games, you know, they're no mugs that you play against because these are top class sides on every team. Liverpool's team's not quite so young. They haven't quite got that excuse. So that would have, you know, that, that, that was a bit of a blow in the stomach, that one, right in the heart of them to lose at Napoli. Tough place to go, though, Napoli, you know, from all accounts. It's not an easy ground to go to and visit. But I can't see them coming unstuck in any way, shape or form. No. In that midfield, you know, what I suppose is quite interesting about Liverpool at the moment, you know, we, are, we know all about the front three. Mm. And we know, you know, elements of that defence, both full-backs, Van Dijk, Matip's now getting the credit that probably is always deserved. Mm. And Wijnaldum and Origi 
at the weekend, they're the sort of unheralded players who are beginning to contribute. And that's another sign of a team. Yeah, look, stats don't tell the full story. I mean, you need every type of player to be a successful team, don't you? Van Alden is a great link man, keeps the ball neat and tidy, he's a workhorse, um, defends OK. So no, uh, Origi is a very good impact sub, as we saw at the back end of last season. You don't need a midfield full of creators when you've got the front three that they've got. Uh, Matip's been brilliant and uh, he's comfortably keeping Joe Gomez out of the side at the moment on merit. And, and I applaud Klopp, actually, for recognising because it felt like he, he wanted to pick Gomez at the start of the season. But he looked at it and thought, you know what? Matip is playing better here. It's a really nice marriage with him and Van Dijk. Until he plays poorly enough to lose that share, I think he'll stay in. And Gomez, I was reading some quotes from Gomez, only recently just taking it fully on the chin. Yeah. You know, He's a really good character, Gomez. Yeah. Mm. And just saying, how can I complain? Mm. You know, and that, that's, that's the thing. You can go to a manager, you can bang on his door and say, I need to be in the team. And they probably want you to do that, no matter what's going on. I'm sure they do. But you can't argue. You know, you turn around to Klopp and say, I should be in the team. And they say, well, tell me why. Look at, look at the performances we're putting in. Mm. And a fair play to recognise that, Gomez, cheer, and say, yeah, 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 yeah. With with Klopp, Aid, we're seeing a, almost a different side to him in terms of the broader personality. Mm. You know, the announcement that he made about joining Common Goal, mm. um, you know, the, the, the charity um, at that FIFA Awards where he won the coaching award. Mm. He's using that platform really well. He is, yeah. He's a, he's a good character. The, the media like him, don't they? He's a charismatic guy. I think he's much more serious and studious than sometimes he gives the impression of. I think he's a real a real thinker. Um, but look, he's not doing it for PR. He's doing it because he thinks it's the right thing to do. So I, no, he's, he's, mm. the players, I, I, I can only look at it in terms of how the players respond to Jurgen Klopp as a person. And he's been there quite a long time now. Mm. We're seeing with Spurs a little bit of friction beginning to build. Familiarity can sometimes cause that when a manager's in the job for a long while. You're not really getting that at Liverpool, are you? He seems to be keeping everybody happy. The drive is still there. I think he's an outstanding manager. I actually think when, when you have characters like that who come across as so... I mean, the smile. It, it's not a guy who's taking the job lightly. That's a guy who's so in control and so confident in his own abilities, he can relax. But it, it is a, you know, a heck of a job in terms of demands, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. you know, already he's talking in terms of maybe doing a Guardiola and having a, you know, a year's sabbatical. Mm. If he does that, well, one, do you expect him to do that you know, in the next couple of years? But if he does, who comes in and takes his place on a, on a temporary basis? Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough... I mean, would you want to do that? Because how do you follow that for a year? Knowing that it's like you know he's gone on maternity leave, you know, you're not uh, knowing that he's coming back, and knowing that you've got to you've got to try and you know bridge that gap for a year. That's that's a really tough job. I'll do it <laughs> you know, if, if the money's right. I'll do it. But yeah, I mean Gerard's a, a a great shout for it. Gerard, though, you get the feeling he's trying to carve out his own and uh, become his own man, and um, probably needs to be a bit distant from Liverpool for a while and then maybe go back as the ultimate successor. Well, yeah, his, his contract runs out, I think, in 2022, mm. Klopp. And there was a story at the weekend whereby where Liverpool are worried about the German FA taking him mm. as the national team manager at the end of that, that contract. I could see it happening, potentially. I mean, he's not going to stay there forever, is he, Jurgen Klopp? But by which time he could have filled up that trophy cabinet. But, but Gerard seems, seems destined for the job. He's doing a cracking 
job at Rangers, isn't he, at the moment? And with Lampard not looking out of but his depth at Chelsea... That, yeah, but, that, but that's the thing, though. If you'd said to Lampard, have the Chelsea job for a year till our transfer ban's lifted, he wouldn't have taken that. Gerard. Oh, I don't think it, I don't think that would happen. I don't think he's going to take a year out and then. I mean, no. is that is that what's being spoken about? No, well, I, I think you know if you look at the logic, he would go in there for a year and almost there'll be a, a form of apprenticeship, mm. maybe in, in in tandem with. Yeah, with Klopp, look, who, who knows? Klopp is just, taking a gap year. It's a sign of ultimate confidence, isn't it? Pep yeah. Guardiola yeah. knew yeah. he could get yeah. away with yeah. it. Jurgen Klopp. Knows he could get away with it. His stock won't won't drop. So so it wouldn't surprise me. What I loved, I read a great uh, interview with Klopp last week talking about his job in a warehouse when he was a university student, I think it was. And he used to, uh, I mean, this was before DVDs, and he used to actually load and stack film reels. So he said, um, I can't remember which film it was, but he said, uh, I really, you know, we used to dread the big ones. He's like, Ben-Hur, that was the one. He mentioned <laughs> Ben-Hur. He said, when that came in, because it was, it was real after real of it. And he said, those things have stayed with me. Those were my inspiration, doing double shifts, training three times a week with my non-league team. Mm. Somebody who's still in touch with that at the level that he's got to, that means he knows... You know, he knows where he's come from, hasn't forgotten it, so believes in himself. He's not paranoid. He knows... It could all go wrong, that's what football does, but he's not, not that fussed. And that, to me, is that's somebody who's really supremely confident. Mm. You, you're pretty close to Chelsea, Andy. Mm. Give me an idea of the mood music there now. How has it changed from Sarri, who I know you got on well with? Yeah, yeah, but, I like him. But um, how has the mood music, music changed there this season? It's bizarre, Mike. Um, it feels almost like we've gone backwards to when football, when you were allowed to lose football matches as a top team mm. because they lost against Liverpool but the punters at Stamford Bridge saw a good performance and they saw their Chelsea players their Chelsea kids give it everything so they were still singing for Tammy Abraham they were uh, against Sheffield United Billy Gilmore came on mm. you know for, for the last 10-15 minutes and they loved it even though they then lost the you know they lost three points with 30 seconds to go they went home feeling you know what we're connected is the word mm. Now, the thing to me is that's all well and good. What, what will happen, the proof will be when the transfer ban lifts. And from what I'm told, they're becoming increasingly confident it will get lifted one window early, so they might be able to spend in January. You're looking at the table now, they're sixth. If they're sixth in January with a chance of getting top four, what do they do? If they think we can't get to top four with this squad, will they go out and will they say, sorry, we've got to go and buy someone? The moment they do that, that mood music will change. It will become a bit more sour because I travel up on the district line when it's running to Stamford <laughs> Bridge um, and you can hear them. All the guys about my age anyway, you know, in their late 40s, they're all, they're all talking about how much they're enjoying it again, going to games, win, lose or draw. And, and it's really refreshing. It's like going back to the days of floodlight pylons and terraces um, mm. when football was, wasn't consumed by, by wealth and it was about watching your team that represented you far more than they, they obviously do now. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's refreshing. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, because there seemed to be almost a, a little bit of a movement going on. You know, your club, Arsenal, they're, they're giving young players a go as well. When you look at that Chelsea squad aid, obviously Tamori and Abraham uh, and Mount have come through. Uh, Callum hudson Adoy is getting back into the picture. Anyone else going to come through? There's a lot of... Talk about Rhys James, right? Oh, the Rhys James is, I think, is the real deal. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too long before he 
usurps um, Aspilicueta in that right-back position. And I think he might be one of those, once he gets his chance, he's impossible to replace. A bit like Trent Alexander-Arnold was at Liverpool. He's a, he's a, he's a special talent, I think. So, so that's exciting again. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I can see getting a lot of game time this season. Exciting player to watch. And, and don't forget Loftus-Cheek. I mean, he's a bit older now. Yeah. But this is this is this is he's still a young guy that's going to come back into the team and potentially make a, a real big difference. Gilmore is is a boy that I know they're raving about a young young Scottish central midfielder. So, and he's not the only one. So exciting times. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to put too much pressure on them. But mm. you you think about that class of '92, and there's not been a crop at one club emerge since then, really. In truth, Arsenal thought they had it mm. under Arsene Wenger at one point. That backfired. This group, for, for the early signs suggest this is as close as I can remember to the class of 92. So, that, so for Chelsea fans, this is really exciting. I'd say there's a, there's a centre-half as well called Mark, I can never pronounce what, it, Mark Gouet, yeah, yeah. G-U-E-H-I, who played uh, last week against Grimsby. There's high hopes for him. Mm. I saw him play for the under seven, England under-17s. Mm. You know, mm. Very good on the ball, accomplished mm. defender. One thing I would say, well, there's two things actually I would say, is one, what I do like as well is, is Lampard's not, he's not slow in bringing them down though, he's not, he's not elevating them too, particularly Hudson-Odoi, he's been very, he's been quite tough on him. Think about week. Fergie, think mm. about Fergie, mm. he ruled with an iron fist, he, mm. he brought in real discipline, he didn't mollycoddle them, he protected them fiercely mm. from, from the media at times, but he, he was strict with them, but he also, made them feel like they were important players right from the word go. And because of that, you saw a confidence from the young Man United players at that time. I'm seeing the same levels of confidence from these Chelsea boys. They don't. They look fearless to me. They don't look like they're worried about whether they're good enough for Chelsea. And I think a lot of that comes from knowing that the gaffer really likes them and trusts mm. them. So uh, they've got, like those Man United players did back in the day with Fergie, they've got, I think, the right type of manager to, to nurture. One thing I would just say, one mm. on Reese James though, is trying to get Azpilicueta out of that team. Yeah. I, I wrote something about him recently and made a few phone calls and found that he hasn't even missed a training session <laughs> since Mourinho was manager. Amazing. That, that's a fact. He hasn't even missed a training session since 2015. Mm. I mean, the man is an absolute machine. Mm. So he's not just going to say it's all your son. No, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there are times, inevitably, that that inexperience will cost them. Mm. Now, I, I got that sense that they were a little bit naive against Valencia in, in mm. their first Champions League tie. Yeah. The damage caused by that defeat is now apparent. They can't really afford to slip up. Now, you're going to Lille on, mm. for Tomorrow Wednesday night. Going, yeah. What type of game do you think uh, you'll see? I think they'll go definitely with the, you know, it's not to concede a goal. You know, the defeat has to be on it, off the menu. No, no way. But Frank is doing. You know, he's he's gone in there and he's gone in there in quite a strong way to Chelsea because he's not gone in there and said, right, I'll do what you want to do. He said, right, if you want me, I'll come in. I'm going to play the way I'm going to play. Interesting about the the, the defeat against Valencia, caught and bit cold because the same. He came out of a great line after the Grimsby game. They won 7-1, but it was the one goal, he said, was a disaster. And he said, that's what happens when young players don't watch the video you show them before the match. So it gives you an idea there of the detail that he's going into with them. And he'll do that on, you know, on Wednesday night when they play. So he'll go in there, but I don't think he'll sacrifice principles. He'll just, you know, I think he'll go, he'll go for a stronger team because Kante is probably going to be fit. He had to miss the weekend. I think Kante will be back in there. And that 
will give reassurance in every aspect, every department of the pitch. So I can't see them losing there, but it's a tough group they've got. Mm. Yeah, the way players prepare has changed massively, you know, even yeah. since your day. Definitely. Eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting video clips dropped into their you know, inboxes and everything else. Um, Give, an idea, give us an idea of the extent of the preparation that a modern team does for a tie in the Champions League. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not, I wish I was privy to all of the information, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of analysis, a lot of, a lot of study. Um, personally, I'd like to think that someone like Lampard would also remember what it's like to be a player, because um, it's, it's a recent memory. Mm. And I don't think every player wants to sit through hours of video and I don't think it's beneficial to every player to sit through hours of video and to know every minute detail of the opponent they're coming up against. I wouldn't have liked that myself. I prefer to wing it a little bit. I just want, no, but I didn't want to be overloaded with too many Did thoughts. Did you want to believe in yourself rather I than... I just wanted to concentrate yeah. on playing well myself. Um, I didn't... Sometimes if, if your mind is, <coughs> is, is, is full of too much info about someone else, it can inhibit you. But no, it's, it's amazing. I, I did go up to London, uh, Hale End actually, the, the academy of Arsenal a couple of years ago and I think the 15, 16 year olds sat there watching videos back of their performances and they'd already been edited to the good <laughs> bits, the bad bits, the things that they need to work on. It's incredible. And that's, that's academy level. So what they're doing at the first team, heaven knows. I think, I think it's a good thing, if I may <laughs> say, because I, I, I go through Harry Redknapp's column for years on The Sun and he was often, you know, in our chit-chat moments, telling me about how young players didn't go and watch football. And he said, when, if, when he was a youth team player, if his game was called off or if it was a morning game and there was an afternoon match, he'd go over to Upton Park or wherever and he'd go and watch a match. But he says, lots of the, the, the kids don't do that now. I was staggered and amused when Andy Carroll recently said when he, when he was on a helicopter flying to Liverpool to sign, he had to Google half the team. He came out and admitted that. <laughs> um, so it's good for them because, you know... No, they're professionals. If you're a professional footballer, you've got to take the job seriously. Mm. You have got to immerse yourself in it and be knowledgeable. Of course you have. Mm. Uh, I just think there's, there's a line. And, and footballers, knowing them as or remembering <laughs> them as I do, some have quite short attention yeah. spans. And, uh, it, yeah, you've got to cherry-pick the right info to tell each individual my, player, in my opinion. My first news editor said to me, no knowledge is wasted. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> I, I, I carried it with me. <laughs> Give us then your knowledge of um, Christian Pulisic. It seems from the outside that the only signing that Chelsea made is not a good one. Mm. Does that tie in with your experience? Yep, I would say he's struggling a lot more than he probably thought he would, uh, and certainly more than we thought he would at £58 million. Pounds. Thought, all right, he's not going to be, you know, a shoe-in for 90 minutes week in, week out. He's 21, I believe, so he's still young, but... Come from Borussia Dortmund, a, a well-seasoned international, and I thought we'd be seeing more of him. Big job to fill, because if he goes played out on, on the left, then that's left by Eden Hazard. So that's a big job to to fill. Um, but yeah, he's looked he's looked like he's not quite got into the gears, um, and he's even come out and admitted it on Saturday after the game, he's just said he's getting, he's getting very frustrated. Like Gomez has said, I understand I've got to knuckle down and work hard. But um, we, we thought, us, you know, the, the regulars, we thought that sort of Pedro on the left was going to probably be a, 
history and was going to be, you know, slowly moving aside for this young lad to come in and, and make more of an impact than he has. But Chelsea's even, you know, Lampard's even been putting Mason Mount out on the left wing um, and he's been doing a great job there. And, and when that happens, players like Pulisic, then they need to be worried. If, if Frank said he needs time to adapt... Yeah, he does, but you don't get long, do you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't judge him too harshly yet, Pulisic. Let's see what he's like in a run of games. If he's to get a run of games, surely he'll get a run if there's an injury at the stage of the season. If he has four or five games on the run and doesn't do much, fair enough. At the moment, he's just getting a few minutes here and there. The odd cup game. It's not easy, is it? Um, he's obviously not doing enough in training to to impress Lampard enough to to select him. But yeah, let's. I think hold fire on him. He's got blistering pace. And his track record at Dortmund wasn't bad. So, so I think he's got the temperament to handle a big club. Chelsea's all about giving everybody time and patience. Now. <laughs> yeah, We've been right. getting them wrong all these years, haven't we? There was us, you know, we thought, we thought they just sacked everybody and sold everybody. But no, they're a wonderful club. <laughs> this isn't fantasy, I don't know. Don't worry about it. Fantasy football. Uh, let's look at Tottenham. Probably the tie of the week for me, the, the yeah, uh, visit of Bayern Munich. Um, it's been a strange few weeks. Really strange, yeah. I, I, Pochettino has been unhappy for a long time. He reminds me a bit of, of Conte when he was at Chelsea, mm. moaning at every single opportunity, a bit of Rafa in it, about him as well, getting involved in the politics of the club. I just think that the, the messages Pochettino is conveying publicly are not giving the players confidence. Talking that, about different that, agendas. Yeah, in well, they're not giving the players... It's not giving the players confidence mm. that the manager's fully on board with it and that he's there for the long term. What can happen... And I was <coughs> rewinding the clock. I was there in and around the first team at the back end of the George Graham era. And he just felt that the players had stopped listening a bit. The training sessions had become a bit samey. And it would all, it, 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 a lot of the players were the same. Not enough had changed. And when I look at Spurs now, you wonder, they've done brilliantly, I think, with the resources they've got. This group of players have probably overachieved. It got themselves into the top four, four years in a row, Champions League final. Is that the maximum that they're capable of under Pochettino? I think that if they, if you were to ask them, put them on a lie detector test themselves, <laughs> I suspect that Spurs players and management feel that they've reached their potential already. Because it is interesting, and you know, we know the game, Andy. Um, when you have an unnamed senior player talking mm. about we're going through the same training sessions and having the same messages, mm. you know that there's something deep down, yeah. wrong with it. The, the, as well as that, there was a, a, a great piece in, in my newspaper by Neil Ashton uh, on Friday, I think it was. Uh, it was big, you know, big spread. And it was all about what's the little minutiae that are going wrong. And the really, thing that really stood out for me, it just hit me like a mm. punch between the eyes. It said it was after the Champions League defeat, so Pochettino was appalled to see Tottenham's senior management drinking champagne and partying as if they'd won it. And that shows the, the phrase palpable discord, mm. you know, between manager and players in that case. But in this sense, you see, he's probably sitting there fuming because he's not won a trophy. And if his first trophy was going to be the Champions League and they didn't win it, he's sitting there probably sipping a, a warm tap water and fuming. And meanwhile, the top brass are all party in a way like they've, they've actually won it. I think that that is a, such a key yeah. moment to record that that will show you where they're all going in different directions. Mm. And 
with the players and the different agendas and they've done well with this group, it shows you that they perhaps needed to just let Ericsson go, needed to let him go. For well, the, he's for playing the, the system, team. isn't he? He's, he's going to yeah, play the yeah, system, yeah. turn it all down, yeah. get a huge amount yeah. of money at the weekend mm. in the summer. If, they would have, if they'd have won a trophy in the last two or three years, I think this situation might, might look and feel a bit different because the players will have something tangible to show for their efforts. They've worked so hard. They've performed, I think, to their maximum, as I've said, Spurs. Yet all they've really done is tread, tread water. In terms of we're still like the third or fourth best, they haven't made that jump. When you look at the squad, when you look at the team and the, and the players that have come in this summer, and Don Bele has done okay, Lacelso haven't really seen much of. Mm. You don't think it was enough of a reboot? It feels too samey they for need, me. Sorry, they need Deli Ali back. Wow. That, that that is one mm. of the great conundrums of the last year or two. Just how he's just gone off the boil. I'd love to know what's behind that. His injury, obviously, and, and yeah. You know, when you're a young player and you explode onto the scene in the way that he did, there has to be a moment when you hit the plateau, don't you? Mm. And he's hit the plateau and maybe he's just dropping off the end of it. Forgive me, I don't, don't remember Wayne Rooney really kind of disappearing mm. like that, though, did he? Wayne Rooney just, for whatever reason, was just in everybody's faces yeah. right from the first, from the get-go, wasn't he? Um, well, they've moved but, away from the Kane-Alley axis. Mm. It's now the Kane-Son axis, mm. isn't it? It's all about Kane and Son. That's working. And you just think behind them, what, what, where is the place for Delhi Ali? It wouldn't surprise me if Ali and Ericsson moved yeah, on uh, in the yeah. summer. And do you know what? I, I think it might be the best thing for all concerned, best for their individual careers, but also for Spurs to have this reboot that I'm talking about, um, just to freshen it up. It, it feels like um, the squad is going stale. They're still mm. a great team, but ultimately not nowhere near ready to challenge Liverpool or City. Yeah, were, so, sorry, Andy, they were, they were very sloppy in the first le- uh, in the first round of matches, weren't they, mm. in Greece in, yeah. uh, against Olympiakos. They've got Bayern coming, Coutinho will be a point of interest. Um, this is where we're going to find out if they've got the metal to even basically get out of the group, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. This is um, it's a big night, this, mm. um, because if they... I mean, they've, they've done escape acts before. They did it last. You know, it's their hallmark, isn't it? But you know, a team like Bayern Munich coming, it's either going to be the best thing for them or the worst thing for them. You know, well, no. Like West London Bayern. I've, I've been at two Arsenal <laughs> Bayern games where they've absolutely ripped the gun, Gunners to shreds. I don't think that will happen here. No. Um, but but yeah, it's a tough game. It's a game I think you've got to watch. It's yeah, one of those. yeah. It's yeah. the eye catcher, yeah. isn't it? I think yeah. of the week. Yeah, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, you've got in that Tottenham team. Players who make you want to cover your own hands and watch between your fingers. Serge Aurier, for instance, at, at the weekend. He's never going to change, is he? Mm, no, it's, again, though, is that symptomatic of a team that's not, you know, not, not living in fear, as, as we say, but not, not that worried about the manager anymore. They, they've, they've got the feeling he's, his head's elsewhere, so... Their, their heads are elsewhere as well. They were two daft bookings, weren't they? I mean, um, I think there was the complaint, wasn't there, that the ball had gone out for a throw. They were, you know, but it's all a bit flimsy, all that, isn't it? There's no excuse for, for that kind of yeah. ill discipline. And then, you know, with the goalkeeper as well, absolutely no need for that. It's, it's, it's like the, um, you know, the, the rule of law is just, it's in meltdown. When you think about that? their back four, Spurs, Pochettino's mm. sort of had a bit of uh, a run-in with all of them. At various times in the last year, Danny Rose wanted to leave. Serge Aurier was was out of the t- out of the team, nowhere to be seen. 
the two centre-halves, Vertonghen didn't start the season. It was a bit of a mystery as to why. Alderweireld was going to leave, then didn't. So Hugo Lloris is having a bad time himself, mm. making mistakes. It's, it, 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 just, it just feels that, that they're not all swimming in the same direction. Thank heavens for Harry Kane, then. And Son. I, th I think Son oh, is their main yeah, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he's been... So Kane's, Kane mm. is still one of the best number nines on, on the planet, but Son is the one that seems to give them that spark, that energy, that drive. And when he's not there, not quite the same. As good as Lucas Moura can be, they're mm. not quite as good. I, 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 I was reading something the other day about Son being the most underrated player in the Premier League, but I don't think he is, is he? I think you talk to anybody who watches a lot of football and Son is the man they really enjoy watching most of all. The, you know, the spectacular goals that he scores for them. Winks is getting better. Mm. I think Winks has had a good mm. start to the season. So, so that if you're looking for, for you know, uh, positive things to discuss on Spurs, I'd say his development and it was, is, is coming along. It was also interesting that they signed Suzoko in, in what looks to be a change of policy. You know, he's a 30-year-old player they've just given a four-year contract to. Good. Yeah, well, he's, a, he's a player that's proven to be to fit Pochettino, fit the fit the Spurs. Um, they'd have to spend a lot of money to get a player as important into their starting eleven, wouldn't they? Uh, as Sissoko, and no matter what Daniel Levy says, I don't, I don't think they're they're going to be willing to spend crazy money on Sissoko replacement. So it's most of it's about resale value, though, isn't it? And yeah, there's no resale value on on that, so that right. is a big departure that's, because that's, that's why they all, you know, that's why Chelsea do it, don't they? They they they're always looking to move them on and get and get more money but, at the end. But of they're light, aren't they? You think about the central midfield; it's not they're not overflowing with talent or options in central midfield. It's one of those where you think, well, if Eriksen's off, Ali might be off. You've got to get one of them tied down. Um, let, let, let's if make it, it so If it wasn't for the the animosity between the two clubs, they were, I think they would make a serious play for Declan Rice, Tottenham. And you could see him, you know, in in, in days gone by that they, he might have gone there. Mm. But, you know, there's a boardroom level, there's animosity, so there's, there's no chance of that one. But, it, it, you know, you would have thought that's the natural... That's where they're going to go. Yeah, well, Declan Rice will probably go at the end of the season. Yeah, I uh, suspect so, yeah. Manchester? I suspect so. Uh, yeah, I suspect Manchester United. That would be my that would be my punt now. Yeah, let's look at Manchester City then. Um, home to Dino Zagreb. Um, that defence, would you expect them one to spend to strengthen it in January? And secondly, you know you've got Otamendi and Fernandinho. Mix and match, making the best of it. But is, that's real. There's real uh, vulnerability there. Absolutely not in this game. No. They'll be way too good for Dinamo Zagreb. And against most teams in the Premier League, they won't have to worry about their defence. But but occasionally, you know, you're looking at whatever, and they cause them problems at the weekend. If they're playing against teams of Everton's level and above, it's an issue. Um, I th already feel that that their failure to replace company in the summer has cost them the title. I just I can't. I can't see them muddling through with Otamendi and Fernandinho or one of the young boys coming through and get, getting away with it. I can't see them not dropping points because of it. So, so yeah, I was, I was baffled that, that they didn't replace company and it's going to come back to bite them, I feel. that Yeah, Liverpool got to be regarded as, as strong favourites. I don't think the bookies have them as favourites yet. Yeah, I'm not no, quite no, sure no, how no, it is think, at the moment. Yeah, I, I, For me, I... <laughs> I, I, I just really, really fancy Liverpool now. Yeah, I, I just think it's I think it's Liverpool's year for that for that reason. With if you look at what Manchester City don't have and that Liverpool do have Van Dijk and Matip, then there's a clear difference here. That's the that's going to give them the edge, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. With Liverpool, actually, incidentally, you know, they've, they've got Brendan Rodgers coming back to Anfield at the weekend. 
um, when they're going for their 17th consecutive win. Um, how do you think Brendan Rodgers has improved as a manager since, he's, since he was at Liverpool? Um, I think he's probably... He's learnt from the experience, but... If you, you know, with no disrespect, I don't think he's not at such a big club. You know, he's gone into, you know, he's doing wonders at, at Leicester and he's able to mould them the way he is and get them playing decent football. I, I, I guess you just come up against, you know, in big institutions like Liverpool, sometimes it can come too soon. Maybe he's destined to go back to that sort of job and, you know, because he's, he's a fairly young manager. So he will think that'll be on his radar. I just think, you know, he's... You, you, everybody learns from, from that. Sam Allardyce was sacked by Blackpool, I think, when he got them to the playoffs. Talks about it a lot, that that was a, um, you know, that was a, a learning curve for him. So he's, he's, he's be, he'll be hardened by it, definitely hardened by it. Mm. But with you know, Klopp has basically put the house on uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, backed him, um, irrespective of, of the number on his birth certificate, you never get the sense that Manchester City are going to trust young players. They've gotten there. Is, do you think Phil Foden, might, when he might play against Zagreb, yeah. um, they've got Eric Garcia at centre-half, who captained all his teams uh, when he was at Barcelona and looks, looks the real deal. Will a young player get the chance at City that they might have done at, Ch at Liverpool, at Chelsea, and increasingly it, Arsenal? It's harder for the young players at City because of the the world-class quality of the first 11. You've got to remember that, that they've not had a dip, really, have they, City, for a couple of years. It's been relentless excellence. And when you've got relentless excellence, if you're the gaffer, well, why, you're not going to change it. Mm. So it's just one of those situations, a little bit like Gomez, where... Foden can't complain, can he, at the moment that he's out of the team because of Silva and De Bruyne. And this is, it, with Garcia, if, if I'm in his shoes, then you're starting to think, well, look, Fernandinho's a midfield player, really. If I, if I get my chance in the cup competitions and shine, I would expect to be given a chance. So, so they might be discontent on his part. Um, it's, it's one of those, the payoff for joining a club like City the pathway to the first team, is, is that a bit, a bit tough? I, th I, I think City's a different model, mm. a different business model. Mm. They are what Chelsea were when Abramovich first took over. Mm. You know, Chelsea weren't really interested in bringing through no. young kids. The business model is, let's just create this empire. Mm. Let's win in Europe. You mm. know, they've got to... They, I think they, it won't change until they win the Champions League and I seem to be all-conquering. Then they might start to take the foot off the gas a bit and, and be a bit more long-termist. I mean, it, I know we're going back to Frank a lot, but in modern football, it's quite strange what he's doing because so many managers have such a short span of life. Mm -hmm. Why should they invest in young players when they're, all they're doing is preparing them for the next guy who's coming along in a couple of years? Guardiola's different. I mean, he's been there a fair time now and there's no absolutely no sign of him but see, moving on. But I just, I, well, I, I just think... It's all about winning, isn't it? And, and, and they are winning, winning by doing what they're doing. So they, they're not looking beyond it. It's a little bit one-sided, I suppose. But like you say, they, they lost Jadon Sancho. Didn't hurt them, did it? I mean, he's a brilliant player. He's having an unbelievable career, but it's not exactly held Manchester City back. It cost them a bit of money, probably, in the mm. sell-on. But yeah, no, there'll come a point, I think, when City start losing more games, where the fans maybe think, hang on, we've got this kid here, this kid here. But at the moment, th th there's not that much of a clamour for it, is there? Yeah. I suppose you don't know what you... Miss until it's gone. Yeah. You know, and mm. so if you look at it in the in the context of this week, 
you know, Barcelona against Inter Milan. Now, it looks like you know, Messi, there is some fitness doubts about him. Is this the time to think, well, OK, Messi's showing signs of understandable fallibility. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo doing the same. Should we start, when we've got the chance, to celebrate those guys rather than just compare them obsessively all the time? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, they're still sensational, aren't they? Um, yeah, I... I I'm not worried about comparing them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a messy man. Not everybody's the same. I, I would always think that, that Messi just edges it above Ronaldo, but who cares, really? They're both sensational players. Um, what I'm loving about the Premier League and around Europe at the moment is actually this trend of giving the kids a go. And, and even Barcelona, we're seeing it, aren't we? The, the, is it 16-year-old uh, Fatty yeah, who's come yeah, in, yeah. Who, who's, who's Fatty, looking yeah. the real deal? got Sancho at Dortmund. We've got the players we've been talking about on this show in the Premier League. And Bappe got his chance young, didn't he? It, it does feel like there's a real exciting generation coming through. Most excitingly of all, it feels like England have got a lot of the most gifted talents around among them. So, what I'm so, liking is the fact yeah. that the, the world footballer is shorter than me. The only reason... The only, yeah. the only, can I sit in between the Ronaldo and Messi debate is because Messi's a, a short bloke. So, but he, he, but he does, in a way, he sounds daft, but he sends a message, you don't have to be a bodybuilder to be great at football. And that's, what, that's why everyone calls it the beautiful game. And, you know, seeing Modric, you know, being at the top of the pile as well. And, you know, that some of these players, they're not, they're not blessed you know, like they're not all built like Didier Drogba or Frank Lampard, who's a, a big guy, or John Stones. It's, I, I like to see that. Yeah, I, I think that there's a trend of attacking football as well across Europe at the moment and, and in the Premier League. I mean, it's been like it here for a while, hasn't it? Mm. Football, football's pretty exciting at the moment and we were about to lose Messi and Ronaldo, but I think it's come at an OK time when we've got not one or two good kids but a whole stack of them coming through that can... I don't think Ronaldo would be happy to hear you say about to say goodbye to him. Well, he's, uh, he's probably... What's he, he's only doing 950 sit-ups a day. He's tailing off a bit, is he? Yeah. <coughs> you, you mentioned youth, eight, um, and we, we, we touched on it slightly about Arsenal. Yes. Know, they've got standard liège in the Europa League this week. Any players that are going to come through and, and get their chance in those sort of games. Obviously, Joe Willock oh, yeah. seized his opportunity. Yeah. What about Martinelli? Yeah, I, Tell me a little bit about him. I well, Martinelli is very raw. I think Arsenal take, took a punt on him. Um, he was watched, I think he had trial, numerous trials at, at Man United who were close to wanting him, but they couldn't make their mind up. Uh, he went off and, and played for a state team. He um, still only 16, 17 at the time. And then Arsenal pursued him and... Man United came back in for him, among others, and he was like, no, you had your chance, and it's all on Arsenal. Anyway, what's he like as a player? He's rapid, he is hungry, really busy on the shoulder of defenders. He can finish, we saw that against Nottingham Forest in the week. But he's miles away from a, being an Aubameyang or, or Lacazette. I think he's still very, very raw, but um, one to keep your eye on, I would suggest. There are some really good young footballers coming through. Willock has improved massively. Joe Willock gets in my first 11 at Arsenal right now on current form. Outstanding. And then you've got Bukayo Saka, who's battling it out with Reese Nelson and Emile Smith-Rowe in these sort of wide attacking midfield positions mm. to be the next cab off the rank. And they're all good. They're all young international, uh, England, you know, England youth players. So, so Arsenal have got a really good crop. It's not quite as strong, I don't think, as Chelsea's, but it isn't a million miles away. But then Chelsea's is a bit through necessity as well. I know Frank's been bold and 
you know, send, he didn't have to send Zappa Costa mm. to Roma, but he did, so he could give Rhys James a go. But a lot of it is kind of, you know, this is why, again, we've got to reserve judgment on Chelsea until that transfer Emery will, up. Emery, like Wenger, will give the kids a chance. Yeah. And I think he's got to the point in his management now where he is over big names. It's all about who's going to deliver for him. Because, look, let's face it, his contract runs out at the end of the season, Uno Emery. Mm. He's only going to pick the players he feels are going to give him the best chance of success. And right now... I think he's got more faith in some of the younger players than he has the senior guys. That's why we saw Mkhitaryan go. Yeah. With that defence, which is obviously you know, the weak point, oh, yeah. what does a back four of, say, Bellerin, Chambers, Harding, Tierney look oh, like? Yeah, holding, yeah. The, um, the Arsenal fans want it. I'm telling you now, Arsenal fans want to see Bellerin, um, yeah, Holding, Chambers mm. and Tierney. And I think a little bit like Chelsea, they would be prepared to accept a few off days here and there for that to grow into the back four that could that could be the, the unit for years to come. I think that Bayerin and Tierney will make a massive difference when they come back. Tierney looks the real deal. Mm. Um, I've always liked him as a player. He's got that little bit of snap about him. Gets forward well. Beautiful effort. We know about Bayerin. Holding is, in my opinion, the best centre-back at the club when he's fully fit based on how he was before he got injured, then it's the other spot up for grabs. Is it Chambers really? Personally, I was still just about give the start to David Luiz ahead of Socrates and Chambers. Um, but in the long term, it's, it's there for Chambers. Personally, I feel that, that that one spot will eventually be filled by another young player that's not there at the moment. Someone on the continent who's ready to come straight in. Of course, it might be William Saliba, who's, mm. uh, who they bought who's back out on loan. It could be Saliba, not Chambers, that makes up that, that back four of the future. Mm. Have you got any idea where Man United are going, Andy? Europa League again, I should imagine, <laughs> next season. No, I don't think... Um, I don't think many people do. I mean, this, this crisis with the strikers and Mason Greenwood has brought it all home, all into sharp focus for all of us, hasn't it? That Watching West Ham play against them a week or so ago... You've you've seen West Ham beat Manchester United, you know, in, in in certain games in recent years. Not often, but they have done, but never so comfortably. And that's the problem: is a mentality problem there with players that are not fearful. Uh, see, that was a club run on fear uh, with the old manager Ferguson. So, no, there, there's talk of having to buy a, a striker in January, and he said, you, don't, you know, Solskjaer said it's not rocket science to realise that. But how has it got to that? Yeah. How? Has Manchester United got to that? That's the embarrassing part for them. Letting um, Lukaku go, saying he had to go, but then not having anything in That's place. It's it crazy. Not having anything in place. It's, um, it's laughable. It's really, it's quite laughable. Mm. It's quite interesting if you look at, um, you know, they're playing Altmar mm. this week. Now, they've got a great development set up, like a lot of the Dutch clubs. Arsenal were interested in their striker, uh, Beidou. Mm. Do you look at that model and you think, that's the model that more English clubs should really actually adopt. The development of young players, going back to what we talked yeah. about earlier on, instead of, you know, Man United is, well, we've got £100 million, pounds, we'll just throw it at the wall against, like, you know, Dembele now, is Usman Dembele is now yeah. the latest fashion item. The problem here in this country is that, that, that when you, if you're not a, a big giant, or even if you are, we saw, we saw Jadon Sancho go, but you, you can develop these players and then before they've even made it into the first team, someone else has stolen them off you. So that's the problem. I think in Dutch football, 
they have to emerge onto the first team scene for someone to then come in and and, and take them. But yeah, this is a really dangerous game, I think, for for Manchester United. A plastic pitch, isn't it? I think uh, mm. over there because they, they're not playing at their own their own ground. It's Den Haag's ground, so. Yeah, this is a match I can see United tripping up in, actually. Uh, difficult, difficult fixture for them. It's not right, given all the money that they've spent, to be so unbalanced with, with their starting eleven. It's, yeah. it, it think, defies I, logic, really. I think one of the factors as well is that the, the top four is now a top six. So there's, there's six teams. Well, there's a top two and, a to, and then a, well, yeah, a tier four. I may be talking in terms of financial clout, though, because, you know, Manchester United can still spend a few bob if they need to. Tottenham maybe not so, but the, it's broadening. So maybe a few years back, you lob a few quid at a player, he'll get you top four, he'll get you the goals that get you top four, and you could almost predict it. Now you've got teams that are coming up on the rails as well. It, you've got to try something a little bit different, well, haven't you? You've got to also take into account inflation. The transfer fees now are dwarfing the ones we saw just even two or three years ago, aren't they? So, mm. so the, the comparison between bringing a kid through that you've developed almost for free to having to spend 90 million on a player that might be good but might not, I, I think a lot of teams might then start to be inclined to stick their young guys in and see how they fare, sink or swim. So, so yeah, in a way, I think the inflation of transfer fees is helping young players. Yeah, it's also helping agents. If you look at the, you know, the agents now are talking about getting a, tra a crowdfunding campaign to help their campaign against FIFA, who are basically saying, we're going to limit your fees to 10%. What side of the fence are you on, Andy? Do you know, I was looking at this story and your, your initial gut reaction is, my heart bleeds for them. <laughs> you know, you, you might have to sell seven of your Rolls Royces or something like that. And, 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 and you wouldn't wish that on anybody, would you? Certainly not someone like yourself, Mike. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, if you look up in the, at the top, you know, the, the agents of Pogba and, you know, the Mino Rayolas and people like that, yeah, they're, you know, they're, you know they're, they're taking a lot of money out of football. If that, if that limit goes down to, say, League Two, 10%, then the agents aren't earning a lot. And there are, as with the players, I suspect there's a lot, there are a lot more agents that aren't making a great living out of the game as the few that are making a fabulous living. So, yeah, by all means, cap it to 10%. But maybe you know on a on a see you know a minimum transfer value of whatever you know because if you're down in League Two that can make a lot of difference to an agent who's not really making massive bucks if you like so yeah I'm all in favour of of capping it for the for the big guys yeah the issue is is it awful I mean it, it feels a bit anti-competitive as well yeah it, it can yeah restraint of trade yeah, restraint of like. trade yeah exactly I I do feel, I totally understand why the agents are going to fight this tooth and nail the bottom line is though they are earning Ludicrous more money, money than they're worth aren't they yeah. i mean do players even need an agent really i mean you, you do of course well, you need yeah, someone I'm, these days i think yeah of course these, you do yeah, need someone yeah. but they do not they're not warranting the money that they take home are they the agents for me i, I, li I like the notion of fifa trying to cap it but i don't know if they're going to be able to get this one through i was i was staggered when when uh, david sullivan and david gold first took over west ham uh, I was just having a private conversation with David Sullivan and he, he showed me a list of the agents' fees that they'd had to pay when they took over from the previous regime. And it was quite staggering. One thing you've got to ask yourself, though, is what will the clubs do with that money they save? What, what, what will they do with it? Where will it go? Will it just go on buying another player or will they you know, reduce ticket prices further or something like that? If they, if, if they do that, great. If it, if it cools down 
a little bit, a bit of cold water on the amount of money that's, you know, flying around in this business, then great. Well, we've got agents asking for donations. Plucks at the heartstrings, doesn't it? Please pass the world's smallest violin. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.